Rolling Dice and Taking Names podcast is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. RDTN is a show with two longtime friends that talk about board games, card games, and anything else that grabs their attention. Squirrel! Here are your hosts, the Waldorf and Statler of board gaming podcasts, Marty and Tony. Welcome once again to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 61, Rock Me Amadeus. I am one of your hosts, Marty. I'm the other one, Tony. And we are honored... No, yet thrilled. No, we are proud, still proud to be a proud member of the Proud Dice Tower Network. Yeah, we are. I mean, we're happy to be. I mean, the number one board game geek rated podcast. We're part of that. That's something to be said, Marty. Oh, I forgot about that. We're we're part of that family. Do you think we helped push them over the top to number one? We can go with that. We can believe all we want to believe and not worry about it, man. I mean, you know, hey, yeah, sure, we did that. We pushed them over. It wasn't the bubbling personalities or anything like that. It was just you and I. We pushed them over the top, didn't we? That's right. We sure did. Yeah, we right. have an episode for you tonight. It may be a good episode. It may be a great episode. It may be one you actually want to buy. We're not sure, but at minimum, it is an episode. And it's one that we have planned meticulously to bring to you guys based on the various feedback you've given us over the past few weeks. And so we hope you enjoy this one. And, uh, you know, looking at the notes, Marty, you know, I went and checked out that book about doing an expert podcast. I got to page two. So I'm getting through it, okay? Well, have you picked anything up in the first two pages? They said, basically, are you sure you really want to do this? And that's really all <laughs> I've gotten out of it. But I'll, I'll keep you informed as I make through it. I don't think it's it's on anybody's wait list at the library, so I think I'm going to be able to renew it. I don't know why, but I think I can. So once you decide uh, the answer to your question, if it's yes, you will proceed. Yes, that's it. I'll continue to do that. No, I, no I've made it a little bit farther than that. But one of the things they do discuss is getting a professional writer for your show. I'm like, yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> Wow. Uh, okay, yeah. So look, if anybody who is a professional writer actually listens to this program, hey, contact us. We got to check. What would they write? Do they write dialogue? Yeah, they write dialogue, scripts, um, things like that to make the show flow better. But that's not us. We're rough. We're ready. We're ready to go. Let's do this. <laughs> so, hey, what do we got? What do we got tonight, man? Anything good? Oh, yeah. I think we're going to talk about a few games that uh, you play with some friends, some games I play with uh, my family. And uh, if you didn't guess it by the title, this was a brilliant title pick by uh, Tony, uh, Rock Me Ama Deus, Deus as go. we're going to be talking about the game Deus that uh, Tony and I got to play together a couple weeks ago. We had, uh, had asked on our guild page about Kickstarters, Tony. Remember I posted that and it got some pretty good response. As Great in, responses. Are Kickstarter reviews on our show, are they annoying or are they, are they useful? Most people agreed in that, you know what? A lot of other shows do Kickstarter previews and don't do too many of them because there's so many of them. In fact, just keep what you, doing what you guys do, which is just covering Kickstarters that you're interested in. Right. And we've kind of always had that format, but it seems like we've been getting a lot of requests uh, from developers to cover their Kickstarters and whatnot. And it's like, well, you know, we could do all those, but we just didn't know if there'd be a lot of value. And so I was, should they be a part of the show? Should they be on the blog post and stuff? And 
I think that's what, what the consensus was. Tony, did I read that wrong? No, no, you read it wrong. And we got an excellent dangent. Oh, from Dan Patrice? Yeah, from Dan Patrice. So we got a dangent from him. So he took that forum post and then ran somewhere else with it. And you got to love those things. But And I like how you you, tell, you kicked it over to me boom, boom, um, to, to handle them and to help you out a little bit here. And one of the things I do at work is to help minimize the requests that I get and things like that is – if you ask me once, I'll log it. I'll say, okay, I understand you want something from me, but I will prioritize the list. And generally, people have learned at work that if you really want something from me, you better come to me two times. So I'm thinking I'm, go- I'm, thinking I'm going to have to apply that here from the standpoint. Of- well, I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, how can you prioritize everything? Obviously, if you don't want to come back and ask for it again, it wasn't that important. It was important at that time, but obviously it's not important then. If you didn't come and ask me until after your Kickstarter started, eh, wasn't that important to you, was it? No, I don't think so. Oh, so, no, okay. I guess I was lost. So- no, you know, you weren't lost. I just rambled. <laughs> Are you saying that they need to ask twice before you consider it? Maybe. <laughs> what? Nobody's going to do that. I mean, everybody's just going to send an email saying, "Are you interested?" And that's it. Otherwise, they're not going to keep. Bug- I wouldn't keep bugging somebody if I don't get a response. Okay, maybe I should take the job back over. No one, nobody ever contacts us again. Well, think about it. If if it's that important to you, to you know, then maybe you should ask a second. Okay, fine. It won't work. I won't apply that logic to it. All fine. Oh my gosh! But it works. Yeah, not right? everything that works. What? Yeah, but not everything that works at work. Some work may not work here. Squirrel! But it works so well at work. Like, hey, we could apply it, but that's okay. You mean at work, somebody has to ask you twice for something before you'll do it? Depends on its really? how important it is. Yeah, if it, it depends on its importance. It depends on the priority of the job. Take, for instance, hey, man, I really need you to pull this data for me, and can you get it right back to me? All right, well, I understand, but it's not that important for you to get this data. If you had needed it sooner, you would have asked me sooner. So, I, yeah, I'll, I tell you what, yeah, I'll, I'll look into it. A week later. Oh, man, did you get that data by chance? Oh, man, I completely forgot about it. Yeah, it wasn't that important. See, I saved myself time, saved you some time. Life was good. So I brought up the whole Kickstarter <laughs> thing because at the end of the show, we're actually going to talk about a couple of Kickstarters that Tony and I have backed and we're interested in. And so there's a squirrel moment number one right there. I don't know where Tony was going. And I apologize to those people who've contacted us. And we never responded back because Tony expects you to email twice. Uh, we've contacted everyone. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Kickstarters, what else? We got a couple games, like you said, uh, some very interesting notes. On I've already games. gone over everything. Just tell us what you played. Okay. All right. So fine. So for my birthday, my wife purchased for me a game. And I know you know the answer to this, Marty, but since it was my wife, she looked at my Amazon wish list. By the way, for anyone who would like to go out and uh, look at my wish list, just let me know. I'll be more than happy to share it out to you. (laughs) Sorry, she got me Pandemic the Cure. Now, we've all heard about this on a previous episode when we had the Chit Chat Girls, Ladies Girls on. Sorry about that, guys. Um, And how we heard how, to some people, it's just a game, right? Sure. Sure. Marty, do you remember that? Where you said it was just I a game? Do, I know I do remember that. Yes. Right. Just a game. It's just a game. But, I, you know, we love Pandemic here in the house. And so, and I love dice, that rolling dice. Um, so we, we got it. We played it. And I will say this. It is, it is more than just a game to me. It, it's obviously a game I would buy after I've played it a couple times here. It's, it's a very fun game for us. It's, it's 
different. It's a great breakaway from um, the normal pandemic, Marty, um, because you're not, there's no chance for analysis paralysis in this game, in my opinion, because you got to make a decision. Okay. You can't, you got to roll dice and the dice determine what you do. Is there any, is there a push your luck element to it? Yes, there is a push your luck element, but you can mitigate it. Okay. okay. For instance, I mean, when you roll your action dice, so, you know, in the normal game, you've got four action. Well, here, each profession has an action dice. And you may roll those dice, and determining what comes up will determine what actions you take. Well, if you don't like the results, you can roll the dice again and say, hmm, all right, well, I didn't like those results, and we'll roll them again. Well, what's the punishment? If the um, pandemic or epidemic, sim- uh, um, the, the biological symbol comes up on your action dice, you have to move the um, pandemic or epidemic track up a notch. And if you cross over into the next realm, then an epidemic occurs and you have to pull dice. For those who have not played or looked into the game, it's kind of like the regular pandemic. You have to be able to pull dice from the bag. If you can't, you lose. If you have too many outbreaks, you lose. So, And you win by curing all four diseases, but you can never eradicate. So you can't get rid of dice. Um, what's really neat about this game, Marty, um, the dice um, for the diseases. For instance, they're not your normal D6s. For instance, the blue dice has on it two sixes and a one, two, and three, and then a cross symbol. That means a CDC symbol. Obviously, you have a one in three chance of rolling a six on that dice. The red dice has two sixes, uh, two ones, and a four. All right. And then the cross symbol. And all this goes into, and I can't wait to talk to Taylor about this, this, how this would impact your decisions on the dice. The reason why I bring this up is the black dice has three threes on it. So you've got a 50% chance of rolling a three, right? I think so. Okay. Well, stay with me here. So in order to cure the disease, you have to roll a 13 when you roll all the dice. So you gather up dice as you collect dice, and that's how you do a cure. And you say, I'm ready to test a cure. And you roll your dice. And if you don't get a 13, you don't cure the disease. And then the, di- the dice stay with you, and you have to wait your turn. The game moves incredibly fast because you're constantly pulling dice and rolling dice and causing outbreaks. So you're always trying to deal with that. And, and, and I really like it from that standpoint. It's a, to me, it's a, it's a game you should buy if you enjoy the pandemic series and you want a break from, oh, let's go gather these cubes. Here is just roll dice. You can be done playing this game in less than 30 minutes. So you had a totally different perception of this game than what Rhiannon did. I did, and I think a lot of it has to do with the amount of pandemic I get to play. Okay. Once again, though, if you don't like the push-your-luck or the randomness of dice, which you cannot completely mitigate, then you're not going to like this game because it will. It, suddenly, you're we, we were one step away from winning the game, and we rolled the black dice to win the game. Uh, we had five dice, and when we rolled it, we did not get 13. We rolled uh, cro- two crosses and um, four threes, or we had six dice. We were one point from solving it, and then, boom, game over. So, is this how often would this replace your regular pandemic game? It depends on time. It really does. How much time do I have? Do I want to try to play another game, or do I want to bring this out? Pandemic will always come out at least once every other month. It's just the way it is. So it's it's more of a filler game. Yeah, it's it's definitely more of a, it's thirty minutes. Easily. I, and to my opinion, it's 30 minutes, and I'm looking at the box, and it says, oh, look, it says 30 minutes right there on the box. See it? I see that. Nobody else can, but yes, I see that. Yes, eight and up, two to five players. That's the other good thing. It's two to five players, and it's 
30 minutes. I mean, boom, 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 roll, roll, roll. Don't, you don't have much time for action. So, but yeah, I, I really, um, enjoyed the game and, um, I'm glad Donna got it for my birthday and, uh, I look forward to playing it again and playing out the various professions that come with it. I don't see how you can do an expansion to this other than you're going to have more dice, but eh, you don't really need to. But however, state of emergency comes out this week. Yay. Or next week. You getting it? Uh, yeah, probably. I'm such a sucker for that. So anyway, what about you? What did you play? Well, I will say something too about uh, the fact that uh, Donna found that for you on uh, your Amazon uh, wish list. Let me tell you, that is a fantastic way to let your spouse know what you want because uh, my wife did the same thing, Vanessa, for my birthday. She got me this light set that I've been wanting to do, uh, wanting for making videos and she got it off the Amazon list. So now, I like on Amazon, it's like wish list, wish list, wish list. You never know what's going to show up. So it, Amazon wish list is a great way for somebody who has access to it to be able to find something that you want. Ooh, I'm always adding stuff to it now. Games. It's also a good way to remember things that you want. Like I put on there some six-carat diamonds, red diamonds or black diamonds, to replace the diamonds in my game diamonds to pimp up my diamonds game. Cause they look like diamonds. I thought like, like a real like diamond for like Donna or something. (laughs) (laughs) I guess not. (laughs) No. I mean, you know, our anniversary was just then I got her roses in a card. Yeah, baby. 23 years. What else you need? Nice. Thank you. So, yeah. So I uh, got to teach uh, my family this past week. I taught them Imperial Settlers. That's a game I've been wanting to teach them for a while. I've been teaching them a lot of new games. I taught them Aquasphere. I taught them uh, Trajan, which they really like. So I finally got around to teaching them Imperial Settlers. And uh, they both really enjoyed it. It was my uh, middle son, Travis, and Vanessa. We just played a three-player game. Game was uh, very easy to learn. Uh, it's, It's still one of my favorite games of uh, 2014. Um, I asked my uh, wife and Travis, I said, you know, what made you like the game? Travis was the whole economic engine building thing and and how that worked with putting the buildings out there and they worked together. Vanessa liked that too. She also liked the, uh, she liked the art. She really liked the art on the card and says, you know, it was kind of a fun art, which it is. And then, of course, I had to show her, it's like, look how the cards match up. Look how the production has these roads that go down to the feature card, which has these roads, which goes down to the action cards, which has those roads. She was impressed by that. And, and of course, you know, I was too when Ignacy first showed that to us. So that was a hit at uh, our house. But I do think one thing is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> so Travis played as the barbarians and absolutely destroyed us. I read that. Destroyed us. I'm like, how? what did he do? How did he do that? He had this incredible engine going with his people where he would uh, had these actions to where there was, I can't remember. He was like doing something to generate more people, taking those more people to do something else, to generate victory points. Seriously, at the, at the end, his turn was taking a while because he had so much going on and he just flew up the victory scorecard or victory track, okay. point track. He did a really good job. And I just laughed. I thought, you know, Tony always said, I'm going to have to keep playing this game until I win as Barbarians. It's like, bam, first time Travis ever played Barbarians win the game. Uh, he just pulled the winning card. I know what he did. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, he knew what to do. That's fine. Well, at least I know it can be done. Who did you play? I played as the as the uh, uh, Romans. Romans. And did a, a did an awful job so the one thing about the romans is that you can uh store the uh, the raise tokens for mm-hmm. attacking other people so it's about attacking people i didn't i 
I, I did a bad job. I couldn't get an, you know, where over there, you know, you got uh, Travis's engine going. It's like a Ferrari over there. And mine's like a, like a Pinto, you know, <laughs> I can't get the, I keep cranking it up, but wouldn't start up. It was just sad. Oh man. So, well, what did Vanessa, she's not one of those who enjoys attacking other people. What'd she think of that? Well, there's no, you know, there's not a lot of attacking per se, uh, I mean, lots of times, most of us were raising stuff straight out of our uh, hands. Uh, she was playing as the Egyptians, uh-huh. uh, so she didn't really develop a good way to get a lot of raise tokens. Right. Uh, tra- at the end, Travis was doing some, but it, it didn't bother her all. This just it's just part of the game. Uh, she was spending a lot of her time just raising stuff straight out of her hand in order to get additional resources, and that, I think that's a really uh, cool mechanic too. So. Imperial Settlers, uh, another hit amongst the people that I've taught it to. They like it, and they're ready to play again. Well, well, see, here's the thing, though. I think that's one of the key things in that game that I kept missing, the raising other people. You know, you you, you got to go over there and break their engine somehow. I guess Travis had it on the area where you could not attack him, right, where you could not raise him. No, actually, he had a lot of non-faction cards going, so it was all <laughs> raisable or all attackable. I just did a bad job of doing it. And there is one thing about this game, and I think we had mentioned before, the fact that once the engine gets going, you need to be at a place on the table where you can see their cards and what's going on. And, you know, our, our table's four foot wide, and I couldn't really see across the table to see everything that Travis was doing. And I wish I could have been closer to him so I could have seen, oh, he keeps abusing this card over and over. I'm going to raise it and get rid of it. Right. I think that's key. You've got to be able to see that and know what they've done. Yeah, I completely agree. It comes down to knowing the cards. And then once you move beyond the non-faction cards to the faction, you just need to play enough to know a lot of the faction cards and how they work and know that, oh, that card's going to be important to their engine. I need to get rid of it. Of course, you can if it's a faction card. Uh, unless it's the J- Japanese, but uh, other than that, I, I think that that's important, an important aspect of the game that I probably missed out on the other night as I, w- again, was trying to crank up my car and just wouldn't go. So Vanessa's willing to break it back out is what I heard you tell me. Yes. Vanessa was, man, Vanessa's been gaming a lot recently. I mean, Aquasphere, Trajan, she liked them all. I mean, and, and Travis likes Trajan more than Aquasphere. Uh, I think Vanessa may lean, lean a little bit more towards Aquasphere. We had uh, my brother-in-law come up this past weekend, and we taught it to him, and uh, he won. Really? Nice. Did you get in your um, mansions game? Oh, we did not. Okay. Uh, we did. Oh, we did try the Elder Signs with not the latest expansion, but the one before that. See, I didn't think you had that one. I don't. Bob does. Oh, Bob does. My, what? Don't bite my head off, so dude. He, <laughs> Jeez. So he brought it in the previous expansion, and we played it. <laughs> Let me tell you, I didn't have a great time with it that time. Yeah, something about it just did not. It just did not float my boat that night. It was just not working for me. And maybe it was because I was coming off of Aquasphere, Trajan, and Imperial Settlers. You know, it's like the uh, the sophistication, the meatiness of it went way down to like a candy bar. <laughs> yes. So, like, yeah, I'll, I'll roll these dice and see if, oh, it didn't match. Oh, well, your turn. <laughs> sort of deal. That's exactly the way Elder Signs is. And that's the way, you know, I, I break out Elder Signs only during the Halloween theme just because there's no way on my side can I bring out the big Elder Chara games like that. They, they're, they, they just can't manage it, you know? So I've got to keep yeah, it I simple. Understand. Yeah, well, I wish I didn't. Elder Signs, I still think, is a great game oh, yeah. for uh, from newer players. Yeah, and it introduces them to that 
was I don't want to say theme um, genre. You mean you mean the Lovecraftian theme? It, exactly, and it also gets them into the idea of doing what's a clue, what's you know, beating the out, gathering the elders, and so then you say, oh, now look, here's another game. <laughs> yeah, let's jump from Elder Signs straight to Arkham Horror. Six hour game. No, mm, Elder Horror. Elder Horror. Unless you play with eight people, but with then, eight players, yeah. <laughs> So, so Trajan, you you still loving on Aquasphere, aren't you? I am. My oldest son is coming home from college, and we're trying to decide which one we're going to show him. I think we're actually going to try to do both Trajan and um, Aquasphere. Trajan, is spe- especially because right, he's taking a class on Middle Ages, mm-hmm. and it like starts right after the end of the Roman Empire. So, with the map and everything, I'm sure he'll be like, "Oh, did you know?" And you know, be laying some college and education on us. No, oh, he's pulling a Sheldon on you. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, good. Glad you got the time in that. I'm trying to think, was there anything else? Oh, oh, I did. Uh, can we segue over to this is sort of squirrelish. I got to play um, a Bluxen. You know, I got my friend brought that from Germany, a Bluxen, which is also known as uh-huh. Linko. And it's a very light filler card game. And it's, it's, a good, it's a good game. Don't get me wrong. And, I, and this is one of those blind buys based on somebody else's recommendation who will remain nameless. I'm I'm playing and I'm like where where is the where's the love in this and I'm like but it and then I, then I started getting into it and I'm like okay I can see so you you have to really start to develop the strategy on a blocks and and it's different than anything else I've played because you're building the suit or the sets you know you lay down like if I lay down two and you lay down two then there's actions you're trying to do and it's uh, oh man it's you you and I will definitely be playing that that's all I'm going to say about that so yeah i think that covers a lot of the stuff that uh, we've already played with your family and my family i got an idea why don't we talk about a game that you and i actually played together shock of all shocks that's right people it's only been 3 months but marty and i got to play a game together holy cow man can you imagine that 3 months it seems like so when tony showed up at the uh, game club the other night people were stunned they were like walking up to him introducing themselves hi my name is such and such who are you because like tony never comes to the game club okay I, I, the last one was in december and so you know every other month i'm doing good here man i'm rolling it out february looking good so next one's in april which will be international tabletop day correct so from that but anyway we got to play deuce deus okay deus deuce deus yeah yeah think well think about it you named the stupid show I know. rock me I'm a deus. I know. God. so anyway deus and i had heard a lot about it very excited to play it and I, what we're going to do here is we're going to try a different type of method on describing the game so i'm going to explain to you how you win the game and then Mari's going to go into the other parts of the game. So how you win the game, you get the most victory points. Marty? <laughs> you suck, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. So uh, I, I was getting ready to say Amadeus. So Deus is a uh, it's like an engine-building uh, Euro-style game. And if you look at the board... To me, it's like when you first see it, it looks like a tan, right? Because you got the hex things and... Hex, they're circles. They're circles. They're not hexes. What geometry class did you go to? Hold on, hold on. Everybody just needs to calm down for a second. One, two, three, four, five. No, they've got little curved areas in each, but if you draw a line between the tangents of the two circles and outline it, it would be a hex. Okay, fine. 
the properties themselves are not hexes, which is what I thought you were referencing in Catan. No, no, no. I'm talking about the whole piece itself. Each piece which contains seven circles itself is like a hex. Yes. If you line up the points of the circles, yes, I can see that. However, they look like flowers. But that's okay. Um, okay, so anyway, would you get back to playing this game? Anyway, it reminded me of some. Okay, it reminded me of like uh, Catan because there's different colored areas where they produce different types of resources because it's based on different types of terrain. And you're trying to build a city. Okay, you're trying to build like a little kingdom, a little city, and you, and you can build in the areas. And you do so by deploying buildings to the board. And it's I don't know. Would you call it area control? Well, no, maybe maybe you're not really attacking anybody else, but no. you could definitely like mess somebody up by blocking a path. Yeah, maybe to some location. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a little, a little bit of element to that. I think there's the idea: the more buildings you can get in one place, you can have uh, some extra points kick in on, via some of the cards. But anyway, so basically, there's a board right there in the middle, and you've got all these uh, types of cards that uh, you're dealt uh, during the game, and it's these different types of buildings that you're actually going to build during the game. There's maritime, production, scientific, civil, military, and the temple. Uh, it's a card game, which I love my card games. And each one of these uh, buildings does different things for you. So the idea is that you're trying to build up your uh, kingdom. Unlike uh, Imperial Settlers, you know, where kind of you're building your town and your tableau in front of you. And that's kind of your area. Here, you're using your tableau to indicate which buildings you're going to build. But then you actually physically use the map in the building in the middle to do so. You win by victory points. I can't believe you threw that on me. (laughs) See, I had this all planned out to help you along here. But one of the neatest things, I think, Marty, about this game when it was first being taught to us was the tableau. And the fact that if you play a card, and you just said that, like you got to pay. When you play a card, you have to pay for it, and either it tells you the type of resources. So you're playing these cards that match the, the areas that you just discussed there by playing these resources. And if you don't have the resource, you can use money, if you have money, to supplement those resources. And you play that card, and that was so neat. The whole action, the, the ability to play a card, and then you get to do the action on the card. Well, if you play another card of the same color, then you get to do the first cards you play action and the second cards action. So there's where your engine comes in. And that is that was just brilliant to me, Marty. But if you don't have good cards in your hand, then you discard a card of a color and you can do that tableau's cards action. What do I mean by that? It's basically, I think it was maritime, Marty. If you discarded a maritime and any additional cards, you got money. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah, you got two go. So imagine this. You've got a hand of cards. And whatever you discard doesn't have to be all the same color. It's just that when you discard uh, any number of cards from your hand, whatever card is on top of your discard stack is the color that's activated. And if it was blue for maritime, you would get two gold per discarded card. Plus, you also gain a wooden maritime building because that's how uh, when you place a building, it actually goes on the map where you get new buildings by discarding a card of that color and getting another wooden building to put in its place to be able to build in the future. Right. And thanks for reminding me, Mark. You're absolutely because if you run out of those buildings, then you can't build a card on your tableau with that. You've got to be able to place a building. So you pay for the card put the building on a spot out on the map, and then you do those actions. And we're not really giving a whole lot of justice, guys, but, I mean, 
it, it actually, when it, when it was first being explained to me, I'm like, uh-oh, am I going to get this? Am I going? But bam, I mean, it only took one time around the table, and I was like, okay, I'm on this. I, I understand this game. Yeah, and so, you know, every one of the colors, like the, the, the Maritime gives you money. If you discard the production card, you get a, a resource of your choice per discarded card. So that's how you gain additional resources to pay the cost to build these buildings. The yellow is a scientific, which is uh, you, uh, that's a way to draw additional cards. You gain a building, but you can also draw um, additional cards per discarded cards. That's a way to, another way to regenerate cards in your hand. The uh, civil building is just straight victory points. That is just a mechanism. like, look, when you just start discarding cards, you get some victory points for, for doing so. And the red is the uh, military, and you can uh, use that to get a uh, to build a building of your choice per discarded card. So that's just getting any building that's out there. And finally, is the temple, which is basically you is the wild card. So you, when you discard a temple, you can activate any of the other buildings. So if you're stuck, and let's say you really need gold and have no blue cards, but you have a purple card. You can treat that as a as a blue when you discard it. So that whole mechanic is on your turn. Are you discarding cards? Or are you putting a card into play, paying its cost, and putting a a uh, building out onto the board? And then each of the cards have text on them that, like Tony said, they they activate certain ways. And maybe it says, "Hey, for every space that you have at least three buildings, you gain this." And the and like Tony said, the idea is once you play that card down, it's not activated again until you building and build another the same building. And so you have this mechanic at the end of the game. If I have three cards in place, say on the scientific and build another scientific, each of those other three scientific cards will kick in. I get to do that action again, plus the new one. So you can really build some very sophisticated high res engines again you know mine puttered like chitty chitty bang bang but you know there were people there that did a lot better job and had a really good engine going well I, but in all fairness marty when we played that all the scores were tight we did not know who was going to win at the end that's true and that make to me that makes for a good game right it's like who's going to win let we don't know until the very final scoring and uh there's two ways for this game uh to end one is have all the temples played or when the game starts there are barbarians uh around the hey board. hey 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 indigenous inhabitants D- dude it says barb okay indigenous in- inhabitants yeah okay Okay, fine. You can call them. Bar- Why are you being mean to the barbarians, man? No, they, you know, they, they just because hey, they kick butt imperial settlers. Yeah, unless I play them. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so there's uh, 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 barbarians on the board. And when they are encircled or encompassed by uh, buildings on all sides of them, whatever color of building, which is the color of building is a, is a player, has the most around each of them, then they get to conquer those barbarians and they get points. Each of those uh, barbarian villages has victory points that you claim. If all those barbarians off the board, then the game ends. And then you start adding up all these points. And um, again, like Tony so eloquently said, the winner of the game is the person with the most victory points. Bottom. There it is, guys. So, But okay, another part of this game is you, you can only build adjacent to one of your current building. That's a very good point. So you can't be jumping all over the board. Unless you have military that can let you move through a space, which is how I cut your sorry butt off. Uh, yes, you did. And you stink. Or uh, if you get if you run up against water, 
then you have to put, uh, you know, uh, one of your uh, maritime, your boats out there so that you can cross the water. And I got stuck on that, too, because I was like, I couldn't get a, a, a blue boat out there in order to get across a certain area. Right. And that's the other thing you got to pay attention to the map is how you expand. How do you get over to those positions that allow you to do that? And you need to at first when you and I first played, I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. Going back and possibly playing it a second time, I would definitely pay attention to the layout of the land because that's important because when you set up the board, the, it's random how, or it, it can be random and that gives it the replayability. It's not always the same map because as Marty said, these hexagons, okay, yeah, whatever, um, oh. spin and they interlock and you just can't have, I think it's two barbarians next to each other. But other than that, don't be giving me the stink eye. I mean, that's a very good point. So at the beginning of the game, you pick one of the edges that you start from and you start from there. And it's kind of like Terra Mystica, how Terra Mystica is so important where you place your buildings at the beginning of the game, depending on what type of person that you're playing and what you're going to terraform. Same thing here. You really need to strategically think where you're going to start. And I really messed myself up because of where I started in the game and I got pinched between two people and some water and whatnot. But anyway, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun game. It's one of those things I heard a lot about last year when it first came out. And when a friend of ours picked it up, I said, please bring it. I, I would like to try it. And, I, and I'm glad I did. I dig my card games. You know, to me, this has uh, another type of feel to it, almost like Imperial Settlers, where I'm, I'm kind of building an engine using the cards. But this adds the element of the, the map and, um, not necessarily area control, but expansion of your buildings across the map in order to try to gain control of the area. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot because I knew we were going to talk about this, Marty, but I'm like, okay, so uh, between it and Imperial Settlers, Settlers, everything's right in front of you just like this game, except this game, there's really no direct conflict with the the raising of another building where you cannot go out and physically go after someone if you wanted to. I know you don't do that really in Imperial Settlers, but so... Of the two, so think of, I think of it like this. You really need to decide what type of, in, in Imperial Settlers, every turn your engine is firing. In this game, you've got to fire the engine when you play a card. So that is a key component of Deus, where when are you going to play this card that's in your hand? How do I fire that engine? But in Settlers, here come all my resources, draft my cards, and run with it. So two very different mechanics going on here but two that i really enjoy you know i could you know either one i don't i don't think one's better than the other i think they're both equally strong oh i totally agree and you're talking about having to get your engine going when you're sitting there staring at your hand and let's say you got uh, let's say for example two brown cards the civil cards you may want to play them in a certain order so that they they activate a certain way because remember you have to activate in the order that they were played with the first one put down that one activates first so i remember at the end of the game there was there was one line that i really wanted to activate and try to generate points but i didn't have that color of card in my hand to build that building so then i'm using trying to use the yellow buildings to basically that's the way i get more cards in my hand to try to find another that one particular color i could look for just so i could build it to activate that engine of the previous ones I'd already put out. Yeah. And I think this is a key point to Deus that everybody needs, which I, which sold me on this game when Chris, our friend was teaching it to us was, okay, so your, your hand is dead. There's nothing in your hand that you can use that tableau to be able to get, discard all these cards and then replenish your hand from the draw pile. 
to, to recycle or bring in other cars that maybe someone else didn't want that they discarded. And now you've got a chance at them. Oh, that's a winner for me right there. That's, I love that action. I love the, the ability to recycle your hand or get something in there and not let it just disappear like, um, you know, Imperial settlers. But once again, two separate games, two different games. And therefore, you know, both have their equally strong points. I, I totally agree. Again, the mechanic that kind of blew me away was the whole discarding. Yeah. By discarding whatever cards on top is the action that you take. Very cool as far as a discarding mechanic. And then you draw up to five again and you get to pick. So one of the things, like I had this very strong, like on mine, I didn't build, like Mari says, the game ends after the seventh temple is built, I believe. But um, but for me, is I never built a temple. I never got a temple card in my hand that would help the type of engine I had built. And if I had gotten the seafaring card or what's it? Is, the maritime? maritime card, yeah, I call it seafaring. So maritime. If I had gotten the maritime card, which I think you had, that said for for each for every two stone, you got a victory point. If you sell two stone, you got a victory point. I'm over there with you know ten rocks, and I, if I had if I could have gotten that one, and if I had known there was only one of them, I wouldn't have done that. I would have been, but I could have only used it that one the next time I built a maritime card. So you really got to play that out. Mm-hmm. And I may have misled or not been uh, very straightforward about how you get more cards in your hand. There's any time that you discard cards, you always draw back up mm, to five. True. But there's the scientific card, which says for every card you discard, you get to draw above that. You draw back up to five, then draw one more card per card you discarded. Up to a total of 10. Yeah. 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 Up to a total of 10. So there's one building that you can use to get a full hand of 10 cards. Again, I didn't catch on that too. I was trying to make everything in my hand work. And instead what I should have been doing is really, and of course we didn't know the cards, right? right? We didn't know exactly what we were looking for, but if I was to play again, I would know, okay, what's in my hand is not working. I'm going to just discard as much of my, as I can and joke that draw deck as fast as I can looking for what I want. Exactly. And that's, that's the strength of this game. So to me, it's, it's getting to those cards, getting, knowing what you want to do, what kind of engine. Now that may hurt its replayability. If you key in on one specific engine, then eh, you know, over and over. I haven't heard anything or read anything that says this is the engine you got to do yet on that game. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I haven't either. And you know what? I'm, I'm sure somebody out there is sitting there. Well, you know, if you go for this building and this building and this building, these things really synergize together. And that that may be there. I don't know it. I'd have to play a lot to even figure out what that is. The one thing that was kind of a, a, a little knock bit knock on it for me was some of the colors of the cards. The, uh, the blue and the purple, great. But there's three cards in there. That's one that's like a lime green, a yellow, and an orange. Those are really similar to each other. Uh, so some of the colors, if you have a problem, anybody has a problem maybe distinguishing colors through colorblind or something, some of these are going to cause some issues because the, the colors are just too close together. We're going to play this color card, but yet we're going to get a different resource color. What? Oh, that was the other thing too, wasn't it? Yes. The resources of, um, I can't remember which one it was, didn't match what was on the card. It was green for forest, but yet you got a brown for wood. That's it. Yeah. On the card. And we were stumped by that. No, we weren't stumped. We were sitting there complaining about it. We knew what it was doing. It was just, what? what, what? Well, no, stumped on why this got through that way. Stumped. Huh? That's funny. Anyway. Oh, pun. Chaz would appreciate that. Yeah. So we were surprised or 
didn't understand why when you went to manufacturing, why didn't you make the match? It just changed the ink, you know, the color that's represented on the card to match the color token. Yeah, but it's wood. Wood is brown, but the, but the, but you're getting the wood from a forest, and a forest is green. And yeah, I understand that, but you, it was unnecessary confusion. Hey, and if you're too confused, go to Walmart and get you a can of spray paint and put in your <laughs> license ID so that they know you're doing graffiti or something. Whatever. What? Have you never had to do that? No, what are you talking about? Squirrel! And when you go buy a can of spray paint at Walmart, they'll take your license so that they, I, I guess, if you buy a whole bunch of it, then they can track you through graffiti. I don't know. They always make me give them my license when I buy spray paint. They just look at it and give it back to you? They, they enter your license number. When you buy spray paint? Have you never had to do this? Never. Go to Walmart, buy some spray paint. Is this every place that sells paint or just Walmart? I don't know. It was in Walmart in South Carolina. It could be something about South Carolina. I don't know. Is this for sniffing paint? It can't be for graffiti. I don't know, dude. I just know. I give them my license. And they say, okay, sir, you're not going to go do... I'm serious. Well, somebody says, you're not using this for something. I don't... I'm like, what? Just, just take my money and let me have my paint. I got to go paint some models. I'm just not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Oh my god. Anyway, back to what we were saying. So when I think about these three games, I think of three. Day, well, three games. Listen to me. Deus, <laughs> Imperial Settlers, and Seven Wonders. And you're looking at me like Seven Wonders, what are you talking about? Yeah. When I when I think of you know, the complexity of which game when I think about, you know, Seven Wonders, you have you've got the resources, you're gathering the resources, you're trying to score victory points through building a type of engine. They're all the type of mechanism, but it's done differently. To me, you know, Seven Wonders, you got to play it once to understand it. And it's not that complicated. All right. Yeah. I'm with you. And Imperial Deus. So I think about, you know, Imperial uh, Deus. Imperial Settlers Deus. Imperial Deus. Hey, that's a new game. Anyway, it's an expansion. Put Imperial in front of anything and you've got a winner. Imperial Settlers, Imperial Assault, you know, just use the word Imperial. Imperial, exactly. Um, Imperial Machi Koro, which, which we can talk about. Um, that's the other one we played. So, but either way, I mean, I was thinking about that. How would I, which one would I bring out? And I think, you know, they're all different enough, but they all basically have the same type of ultimate goal you know get a small engine going it's how you go about getting that engine and what what you would like there and that's a good point they're all about building buildings right they're all about building up a little civilization a little area a little colony it's just three total different mechanisms seven wonders being the biggest difference because that's a draft mechanic right which imperial settlers uses no uh no wait a minute no uh, i'm, at I'm the talking beginning. about no no but i'm talking oh, oh well, well i guess but i'm talking about a draft and pass like uh, among the stars Seven Wonders, that, that sort of I mechanism. Agree. I agree. No, you, you you draft every round in Imperial Settlers. You're drafting the neutral cards. Exactly. exactly. That's what I'm saying. So there's a draft mechanic there. Yeah. All three of those, they have the same type of feel to me to get your victory points. You've got to get that engine going. And even in, in Seven Wonders, is am I going science? How am I going to get these victory points? War? You know, that kind of stuff. More blue buildings. You see what I'm saying here? Mm-hmm. But it's easier to do. Whereas in Deus, you've got that engine, you've got to form up that engine. And in Imperial Settlers, you've got the Flintstone car leading to the Pinto going to the Mercedes to eventually the Bentley, you know? That's right. how I, that's how I'm looking at it. So anyway, so with uh, Deus, I need to play it again to give it a really fair rating. I'll just I will say this. It's it is definitely more than a game. I think it's better than a good game. I don't know whether and that's where I'm stuck. 
you know, is it one of those games I, I need to go buy because I want to pull it off my shelf and play it right now? Or is it just a, a great game where it's like somebody says, I want to play this game? Like, yes, I want to go over there and play it with you. I'm, I'm not sure. So, and I appreciate Marty saying, you know, he needs to play again to get a good feel. I'm one of these guys who go with that gut reaction and I haven't been wrong yet. I mean, from the standpoints, I always, my gut reaction to resistance was this sucks. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but for me, this is a difference between this is a great game and a game I would buy. I'm really, it's got strong, very strong components that I love in a game. The ability to refresh your hand on card draw, multiple options with area, getting out and placing things on land, having to um, manipulate your your tableau that gives you how am I going to get multiple paths to, to get victory points. The one thing we didn't even mention in the game we played one guy could have easily have ended the game early, but he didn't. He had control of it, and by doing so, he was trying to figure out a way to gather up more and more victory points on his side, and that was a really cool, cool way to do it. And Marty ended the game by building the seventh temple. So right. it, it was, you know. So to me, I'm I'm leaning towards it's a game I would buy. Matter of fact, I'm really considering it if I could think I could get it off the shelves more than once a year oh yeah and it's on sale today too where i saw it in a thread somewhere it's like 36 dollars. oh no they sold out okay okay bam real quick i saw the thread too and it was like bam gone okay yeah um so yeah if you've heard about this game it is both tony and i highly recommend checking it out and before we go off this since you mentioned machi koro uh that was one of my mad games from last year we finally got to play with the harbor expansion tony you've only played with the harbor expansion as that was your first time so what was your initial impressions of it this to me is a good game um better than it's a game but it to me it's just a good uh, yeah it's dice rolling it's a it's a good game I, it would not be one I would put in my collection. It didn't thrill me. I enjoyed playing it, but it's nothing I would say, ooh, let's play this. I would pull off something like, shoot, I'd pull Four Cell out before I would pull that game out. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, and the, the base game by itself, definitely me, was just, it's a game. This moves it off. It's a game closer towards it's a good game because the Harbor expansion totally changes it because the market changes every time. The way they do it now is with the base game, you had just there's all your cards and you have the same cards every time. With this one, you draw the top 10 cards off the deck and you make 10 different stacks. If you get this, draw the same card, you put it on the stack that already exists and then you have basically 10 different types of cards. Uh, when that stack is depleted, you draw another card off the top. So the market's changing over time. So you can't guarantee that there's one you're looking for is ever going to show up. Uh, that mechanism is much better. I wish that had been in the base game. But again, it's it's one of those that for new players, it's definitely a game I will pull off and teach them because I think it's a good game to teach some sort of slight maybe your mechanics. Granted, there's a lot of dice rolling and stuff, but uh, I think it's a good game to teach non-gamers. So as we mentioned at the beginning of our episode, we're talking about how we handle Kickstarters and we're kind of keep doing the same thing that we've been doing to where we're just going to talk about some Kickstarters that we either got or back that we're interested in. Okay, so your rant in January was, why are all these Kickstarters coming out now? You should have saved that rant for March because this is insane. Oh yeah, this is ridiculous. I mean, I don't see how anyone... And no one there, they don't expect you to, but how do you make a choice? Especially you're going on blind faith here. 
I'm with you, man. I'm just like, holy cow. You know, here I was last year. It's like, I'm swearing off Kickstarters. And dadgummit, if I didn't back two this past week. And what two were those, Marty? Well, I'll let you talk about one. But one that I did jump on. And this was brought up in our guild where I had said I had backed the game Blood Rage by Cool Mini or Not. And somebody asked, where did that (laughs) come from? There's three reasons why. First, this game is designed by Eric Lang. The past few Eric Lang games I've played, I've really enjoyed. And that is XCOM. And that is uh, Warhammer Conquest. Now, granted, there are some I wasn't too crazy about, you know, quarries or whatnot. I mean, Marvel Dice Masters was a good basic mechanic. But <laughs> with all those, it's funny. There's a lot of dice rolling. So here's a game that is uh, not dice rolling. Uh, it is more of an area control game. And in fact, what he had said was it's kind of a mixture. He did the uh, game Chaos in the Old World, and he kind of mixed that with Kemet and kind of merged them together to a, a type of area control game. And I thought, okay, that sounds really interesting. So that's one. That's one reason why I was interested. Two, it's cool, many or not. And with people, for people who know about cool, many or not, and their Kickstarters, once their games come out to retail, they're not much cheaper. Uh, they have, they don't dis- give a lot of discounts to online stores. So if if a game is seventy bucks, maybe you'll get it online for sixty. But with their Kickstarters, they always throw in all these awesome elements that are Kickstarter exclusive, and they're done the same thing here with all these nice miniatures. There's there's another reason why I decided to back it because I said if I wanted to play it, it's not going to get. Uh, any cheaper uh, for me. And I said there were three reasons, but really there were only two. <laughs> so, well, that's okay. I'm saying, it's like, there was really those two things. It was because of the designer and the fact that I know that if this is a game I want to play, I'm not going to get it much cheaper. And I'm going to get all the cool stuff. Right. And, but I guess you don't like area control. Well, so here's the thing. Kemet wasn't that bad for an area control game. I, I somewhat enjoyed it. To me, I felt there was an element of, I could turtle, and do well, but what I've heard about this game is you really can't afford to turtle. And plus, also, there's there's a unique mechanic, so it's Vikings theme. I love the thing. Maybe that was the third reason why I liked it, because it was it was Vikings. I enjoy the Vikings theme. The thing is, is when you fight each other, when you die, it's not necessarily a bad thing, because when you die, you go to Valhalla, and warriors who die and sacrifice themselves and go to Valhalla or war to glory, and that's the whole goal of the game is to get glory, or which is victory points. So you can get glory by winning in battles, but also if you happen to fight bravely and, and die, you I still get some glory by ending up in Valhalla too. So it's not like, oh, if I lose, I get nothing back. You actually uh, still do. I read over the rules. It's something I thought I might be interested in. I think the art is really nice. So I hope I'm not wasting my money because it's a $70 game. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you're not wasting your money, dude. I mean, think about it. Like you said, you it's got Vikings in it. Forget the other reasons. Vikings. Now, the one thing that does irritate me about uh, this is here come the optional buys from Cool Mini or Not. And the first one is, oh, look, it's only four player. You want the fifth player expansion for just $30. You can have that fifth player expansion. I'm like... I'm going to pay almost half of what, I, what my original pledge for the fifth player. No. Why, yeah, why? Why even bother with the fifth player? I mean, uh, for your family, I mean, one's off at college and the other ones, you know, shoot, you could probably go with three players. I, I don't see Vanessa in this one. I mean, if it had been 20 bucks, okay, but I, I don't know. And right now it's, it's just no for me. But anyway, so there you go. There's the answer to why I did it because the designer – 
Uh, who's putting it out? The quality of the components. I guess probably that third reason was it's Vikings and Vikings are cool. There you go. All right. For me, it would be, um, and you've heard us talk about this on the show previously, finally hit the Kickstarter. And that is bottom of the ninth dice hate me games, which merged with greater than games recently. As many of you've probably read, Hey Marty, you know what the best thing about greater than games and dice hate me games merging? What's that? Osmodee only has to buy one company now. Anyway. (laughs) Hey, and let me tell you what, they would be thrilled if that happened. Oh, I bet they would. But anyway, you know, somebody was tweeting out that, you know, Oh, look that this, you know, they, they, anyway, but they, they don't have to go to two companies. They can buy just one. But anyway, um, bottom of the ninth, you've heard us talk about, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because i mean for twenty dollars back five dollars shipping twenty five dollars total you can pick up a game that simulates in their mind or in how is the bottom of the ninth getting that last out for the pitcher getting the last three outs or scoring that one winning run and um, one of the neat things i enjoyed about this game was the psychological side of it the getting in the mind of the players is he going to throw the low fastball oh you know from the pitcher side of it and then rolling the dice i'm still not key on the mechanic of if you do hit the ball you both got to roll dice real quick to figure out um that was in the demo i hope it uh, stayed in because i grew warm to it but i'm not it's still in there yeah it's still in there you know roll the dice see who who rolls a five or whatever first and and yells something then they get on base if not they're thrown out you know hey that's just one of those things that makes it fun it it does bring the intensity to the game i think from that standpoint and it does kind of mimic you know is the guy going to make it to first base or not right so that's kind of cool um the collector's editions all sold out within the you know the first hour when kickstarter was belching and no one could get on it or anything like that so for those of you that backed it for 50 dollars, well congratulations on that um so to me it's a a two-player game i'm loving the artwork on the cards i'm i think that's really cool some of the guys chris picked out yeah yeah that's adam mciver Adam McIver, yeah, um, and just some, and the old style that they picked from the cards. So you know, go look at that game, guys. It's one that I will back this year, and to me, I, I will enjoy playing that. That'll be a great filler game. Yeah, and again, that was um, it was designed by uh, Daryl Louder and uh, Mike Mullins, uh, with the art uh, by Adam Adam McIver. I- is how you say his last name but again go look at the kickstarter the art is incredible it's like got that throwback style mm-hmm. and uh what happened was is, is all these guys picked people they knew and created cards based on them like there's one based on chris kirkman one based on daryl one based on our buddy dan patrice and the backs of the cards have that faded mm-hmm. beige look like the old tops card so I, I tweeted adam the other day and said dude i, I love the art you totally captured the vintage baseball card and it does look really good i, I like how our images turned out yeah maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe the expansion set Maybe we can get them to get us in the expansion. Uh, that's okay. I'm just messing. So that's pretty funny. And real quick, Martin, I just want to do a quick mention of a Kickstarter that went live um, that you and I, or I got to play at BGG Con, and he has been working on this for a long time. TJ Dunbar just started up his Kickstarter for Castle Assault. It's a game where you are trying to uh, beat down each other's castle. And we'll go into that um, on another show 
the next show coming up because it's got 30 some days and I don't want to belabor the Kickstarters, but go take a look at that one. You might be interested if you like those two player games of strategy with the knees. I will mention this. The neatest thing about this game Marty is the morale track and you and I need to sit back down and play this again to, to on how it affects the game. That to me was kind of cool. So anyway, Castle Assault, TJ Dunbar, it's out there live right now. It's doing pretty well on the Kickstarter as well. Also, we still got a couple contests going on. These go until um, March 17th of 2015. And this is for a copy of Harbor, which Tony and I talked about a few episodes ago. A, a fantastic light intro worker placement game. And also for uh, uh, three uh, broken token inserts with your choice of being the uh, Dead of Winter insert or the new uh, Seven Wonders insert that includes the Babel expansion will fit that. And there's two ways to win uh, these. One is the we have a Survey Monkey uh, survey set up for Harbor. And if you want to uh, tweet or go to our guild page and put a picture out on our Facebook page of showing us a picture of your Dead of Winter box or your Seven Wonders back sh- box showing why you need this insert, you know, uh, you can do that, and if you use Twitter, you can use the hashtag RDTN. Look at this mess, showing this mess is in your box and why you need this. And us, along with uh, the owner of Broken Token, Greg, are going to pick three lucky winners in order to win those inserts. Did he confirm that? Confirm what? That he's going to help us pick those? The fact that I just said it yeah. will, now, will now push him into <laughs> helping us pick those out. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. By the way, you know, I ordered our copy and they were shipped today which would have been when you listen to the show a week ago so we should have them in hand so yeah we we ordered ours up and they have been shipped marty so we get to try to put them together and we'll show some pictures of that before the contest is over so you can see exactly what they look like and and what we uh, think of them and also we've been talking to greg offline about some future projects that are coming up that we are very excited about um, it's a it's a new line they're kind of starting to consider, and they're, they're kind of in the prototype stage. And so you're going to be hearing more about that in the future. And it's it's something I'm really excited about. Trust you on that. I haven't been on the email in a while, so I, I trust you on that. Well, thank you. You didn't ask me twice, or I would have gone and looked at it. Oh my gosh! Back to that. Hey, wrapping it up, big boy. I'm bringing full circle. Here he comes. <laughs> Rock me Amadeus. There you go, Amadeus. Deus. Amadeus, Amadeus. So that's pretty much it, guys. We appreciate you listening in as always. And thank you once again for um, all the nominations for Board Game Geek. That was awesome. And if you, as if you're listening to this show now, when it is released, this will be the day that BGG Con in November signups begin. So if you are very interested in attending that, it's one of the few cons out there that um, definitely get your money's worth. Um, hotels are already available out there. Hopefully they haven't sold out by the time you hear this. So you may want to consider staying at the um, Hyatt. Or if you want, um, maybe if I forget to reserve mine, you can stay in the cardboard box with me. <laughs> and um, Scott Alden from uh, Board Game Geek did say that due to the Number of people that attended last year, they're actually decreasing the number of tickets by 100. What's the, where's the logic here? Where's the yeah, they said it was just a little bit too crowded, so they want to get it back down to a more reasonable number. So do not hesitate if you think you're interested in going. Okay, <clears throat> so let me figure this out for you. Yeah, all right, so we're reducing it by 100, yet. And I'll admit, Friday night and Saturday night, prime time, yes, the gaming place was 
packed. But if you hung around to one in the morning, hey, yeah, a table anywhere you wanted. <laughs> that, that, that's true. But still at one o'clock in the morning, there was still a lot of people out there gaming. I'm, I'm sure they were playing Eldritch Horror with eight people. <laughs> there you go. Also, uh, Tabletop Day, International Tabletop Day is going to be April 11th. Tony and I will be attending the event that is being sponsored by our game club, Queen City Game Club, at a local restaurant here in Charlotte. And if anybody is close to the area and wants to come by and hang out with us, we would love for you to. We're going to be able to have about 60 people to be able to attend this for the room size that we have. It's going to be a six-hour event running from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. We're going to have all sorts of games. Tony and I need to plan exactly what we're going to be doing for that. We haven't said. I'm sure we'll shoot a little video like we did last year or something as some clips of our video actually made it into Tabletop Day's montage video last year. I don't know if you knew that or not. No, I didn't know that. What, where they came up and attacked us with the mannequin things? Uh, no, it wasn't that. It was uh, It was just when we went around and took shots of people playing games. Oh, cool. Uh, they, they used some of that. So I didn't realize they had done that until I, I saw it uh, about a month or so ago. So anyway, so we're going to be doing something special for that. And so if you'd like to come by and hang out with us, uh, we'd love for you to. And if you do, let us know. We'll make sure we have a moon pie for you. That's right. April 11th, isn't it, Marty? That's correct. So April 11th, see what's happening in your area. If nothing's happening, we'll, we'll make something happen. Form your own. Go for that's, it. That's exactly right. It doesn't have to be at a restaurant or anything. You can create a private event and put it on the website. They just want as many events as possible shown online. And in fact, speaking of tabletop, Tony, I don't know if you saw that today's episode is Epic Spell Wars, which I cannot wait to watch because that is going to be hilarious. Oh, that's, you know, I haven't played that game in forever. I haven't either. I just watched the very beginning of it. And uh, it's funny at the beginning, Will Wheaton says, all right, here's the deal. We usually try to keep this show family friendly, but because of the nature of this game, I recommend parents, you watch this first before your kids watch it, because I guarantee we're going to say some stuff you don't want them to hear. Which, you know, and that's funny that you immediately gravitate that way towards that. And it's only because of the art because it's not on the pictures. I mean, it's not the words, you know, there's a few. There's some that use uh, innuendos or puns, you know, to suggest. But still, yeah, it's just it's I remember the first few times you and I played it. We just had a ball. We were laughing so hard at that game. The only bad thing is that game can really drag on and on. Yeah, that's one of those limit your number of people. So, yeah, that's a good one to pack in the old filler bag for International Tabletop Day. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And once again, keep rolling dice and taking names. Follow us on Twitter at Dice and Names. Visit our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Take Names. Visit our guild on BGG. Like us on Facebook. Thanks, y'all. Tony, I love tonight's show. Really? Well, of course not. I just want to see if I could say it. <laughs> <laughs>